from the gospel, Lord, increase our faith. That was certainly in the midst of the challenges of life and the challenges of following Jesus. This is a very natural cry, even a necessary one. Lord, increase our faith. That was certainly the case for the disciples. You'd think they'd already met the challenges of discipleship by leaving everything and following Jesus. But just before today's reading, Jesus had explained to them what else was involved, like forgiving a colleague seven times a day. Forgiving a colleague one time a day is hard enough. How hard it is to do that? Oh, Lord, increase our faith. In today's reading, we get another challenge. We've just heard what has to be one of the least attractive parables in all four Gospels, the parable of the unworthy slave. I can't think of one that's more at odds with our culture. We guard our self-esteem and demand respect and freedom, and we're not wrong. But Jesus is unequivocal. His followers have to be humble. We mustn't approach God telling God how good we are, like the Pharisee in the temple. Rather, we are to be like the tax collector who had nothing to confess but his emptiness before God. Humble service is what we're called to render to God and our neighbor. But that is neither easy nor popular. Still, Jesus says that it must be a basic shape of the life of his disciples. True humility, that absence of egotism in which love can grow. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. For many of us, sooner or later, I think for virtually all of us, there is something that may be even harder, more demanding of faith. Many of us here have faced or are now facing griefs and threats and harms, like the dementia of a spouse or a lost job or a terrible diagnosis. If there is a perfect theological explanation for how God permits these things, I have not found it. Prayers go unanswered. That can lead to deep doubt and bitterness. So, even in the face of God's silence, those who want to be Jesus' followers do well to cry out, O Lord, increase our faith. But then, what is faith? What sort of faith is it exactly that we need? Well, there's three kinds of faith that we don't. The faith we need is not what Martin Luther called fides historica, a mere belief in the facts about Jesus. I can believe that every article of the creed is accurate and yet have no real faith. As they used to say, even the devil knows that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate and was raised by God from the dead. But to the devil, that's a dead fact that has no significance other than a threat. The faith we need is not just agreeing that something's happened that have no real relevance to our lives. Neither is faith 
on critical credulity. We do not have to believe everything we are told. There are things even in scripture and tradition that are not true. Consider the famous verse in Titus 1, verse 12. Cretans, that is, people who live in the island of Crete. Cretans are always liars, vicious brutes, lazy guttons. That testimony is true. No, it isn't. (laughs) We aren't called to have faith in nonsense or in wrong, no matter where we hear it. Neither is faith being immune from doubt. Hard thinking will raise doubts about anything. Living as a Christian in a secular society will bring a host of doubts with it. At least it does for me. I, for example, do not know how God's goodness in creation, so evident in the beauty around us and in the love we have for our pets, is compatible with the blood and violence that fill the animal and human kingdoms alike. I just don't understand. But that all is not contrary to real faith, even if my faith is smaller than a mustard seed. Real faith finds its roots in God's grace. In Jesus, we have God's goodness poured out. Real faith comes from that goodness. In the end, real faith simply does not finally lose hold on God's love because God's love does not finally lose hold of us. We can put trust and confidence in God's goodness that we encounter in Jesus, that God cares for us, that in the face of all our troubles, there is one who created us, loves us, is committed to bringing us home safe in the end and to keeping us in that one's love all the way. There are at least three ways that faith is rooted in God's love in Christ. First, faith trusts that God's forgiveness in Jesus is God's final word, whatever we've done and whatever we've been. You and I are beloved even in the face of our mistakes and wrongs. It is in the light of that infinite forgiveness born of God's love that we can learn to forgive others and ourselves. Faith trusts in God's promise of forgiveness. O Lord, increase our faith. Second, faith trusts that death, death does not have the final word. Not just the death of our bodies, but the death that spreads, the death of relationships, the decay of a mind, the corruption of a whole culture. All of those are the power of death, the church fathers tell us. But faith holds to the love of God. Love and not death has the last word. No, we don't always see the victory of Christ's resurrection in ourselves or in the world around us. Faith is not sight. It can be an unremitting struggle. But God keeps God's word. And that word is a word of life. The one who loves you is the eternal giver of life 
and that one will never forget you. Oh Lord, increase our faith. Third, faith trusts that God is greater than the power of evil. As clearly was the case for Habakkuk in our first reading this morning. And it's the case I believe now. Things are going in some very bad directions. We need to name evil for what it is and oppose it as best we can. But I just don't have the power to reverse the wrongs that are underway. For a time, God may give evil its head. I don't understand how or why, but that does seem to be the case. But God's goodness and justice are greater than any evil. Here's an analogy. In the early 1900s, the great redwood trees of the Russian River were clear-cut. Nothing was left in field after field hill after hill, but stumps. I've seen the pictures. Not that that was all evil by any means. That wood was used for good purposes, building homes and businesses where people could live and earn their living. Yet the desolation left behind seemed the final destruction of great beauty. But something happened. Almost immediately, those stumps started to sprout. The great root systems of the redwoods had not been destroyed. Their power pushed those shoots up into the sky until circles of great trees grew around where the stumps had stood and grew fast. Deep roots don't die. Trust that the love, goodness, and justice of God have the deepest roots of all. Evil may have its day, but that day will come to an end, and God's love prevail. O Lord, increase our faith. So, how much faith do we need? Just faith that may be even smaller than a mustard seed. When all is going well, yes, but also when in contrast you are battered and bruised, plant that tiny mustard seed in the earth of God's love. Trust that what God did in Jesus for us and God's endless love for us now will make that seed grow into everlasting life. Mustard seeds are tiny. You may not even be able to see the seed you have, but you do have it. Because the Holy Spirit has brought you here, where God's goodness and love are embodied at this communion rail. It is that goodness and love flowing here that give us that faith. O Lord, increase our faith. But let us bless God for the grace that gives life to the faith that is in us, the living faith that God is good and that God in Christ Jesus will prevail.